0: Welcome to the OA Serenity Sunday Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and support the Los Angeles Intergroup. Starting August 21st, Serenity Sunday will be held live at Roxbury Park in Beverly Hills. However, we are going to continue our podcast and the virtual version of this meeting. If you would like to contribute to the live meeting in order to keep this service running, you can do so via Venmo at Serenity Sunday. The last four digits of the phone number are 6255. The opinions expressed on the Serenity Sunday podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now our speaker.
1: Yeah, Compulsive overeater. So I told my friend that I couldn't stop eating and she introduced me to Overeaters Anonymous. And I thought it was just the most horrific name for an organization that anyone expected anyone to be attracted to. And she kept hounding on it. So I went. And I went to the Harvard street meeting on a Thursday night and I just kept going once a week, Thursday nights, every Thursday night at six 30. And I didn't understand how to work the program. So I didn't really, I couldn't wrap my head around the big book. I was like, I don't really understand what the steps are, but there was a familiarity and an order and a foundation and a structure and people who spoke my language that really had me coming back. And that's all I did for about a year and a half. And the, the eating the eating a log, the food a log, you know, that could be a, a, a one hour meeting in and of itself, right? I don't have to tell you that I dieted and I binged and I starved and I paid for weight loss programs and I came home and I binged and thousands and thousands and thousands of, of you know, calories at one sitting, hating myself, hating you, um promising myself I would do it better. Um that that dialogue of like, oh you have such a pretty face. If you were just thinner, um, you know, everything would be glorious. And so I I seeked, I, I sought that. I sought that. And by the time I was, you know, 13, I had joined Weight Watchers many times. My aunt paid for my weekly meetings. I would take the $7 Weight Watcher weekly weigh-in fee and go down to the candy store and binge. And then she would come back and pick me up, you know, an hour later and be like, I don't understand why you're not losing weight. Um, Many years later, I had to make amends to that. I added up all the $7 that I wasted of her money and, and gave it back to her, but that was how it went. And it was always this, if only I lost the weight, then. If only I could stop binging, then. If only I fit into the perfect black dress for this wedding, then. And you know what? The then just never came and the ability to diet was lost. And I was an angry, angry eater. I was really angry. I was angry at everybody all the time and then angry at myself because I couldn't control and manage the food. So by the time I came into the rooms in 97, it was just a breath of fresh air to hear people share that the depth of that insanity and the depth of powerlessness. You know, I would watch people of normal body weights eat normal meals and just be like, how do you do that? It's like I had missed the memo at some point in my life that like last night's Chinese food is probably not the best breakfast. And, you know, two boxes of cereal for dinner may not be the best idea. And I just had, I had no concept of what a meal was, what it looked at, unless I was dieting and then someone else would tell me what to do. And then I ultimately rebelled because don't tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. So it was just a really awful place to be in. Uh, my top weight is over 200 pounds, size 16. I'm currently in a size 12. I've always, you know, vacillated between a 10 and a 12. I'm 5'7". And um It's, you know, every time I tried to lose weight, I gained weight. So there just had to be a point where it was like, all right, all right, God, I'm eating abstinently. I have a sponsor. This is the body I'm in today. Um, So I came to the meetings, and then in in '99, no '98, I had my second daughter, and I remember it was a Sunday. It was in May. It was after Passover, and we still had leftover matzah in the house. And my husband had to go to work. And I was so angry that this man had to work on a Sunday. And I have a five year old and, and a newborn. And that sort of postpartum period where like nothing fits and you feel like crap and you're tired and you're trying to figure out the breastfeeding. And I was so angry at him that I opened up the pantry and I started binging on matzah and butter. And, you know, matzah after matzah after butter after butter after matzah after matzah. And it's like, what, what finishes first, the monster or the butter? It doesn't matter because whatever you finish, you go to the next one, right? It's like, there's no pull out. So I called Jeannie. I don't know if you all know Jeannie. And I said, Jeannie, I can't, I can't stop eating. And she said, well, honey, I'm, I'm full. I've got a lot of sponsees right now, but call my sponsee. She's available. I called this woman and that was the day my life changed. My life completely changed because here was a woman who said, I'll sponsor you. I'm not your mother, I'm not your therapist. I'm not a a you know a ther- a, a banker. I'm not going to loan you money. I'm just going to share my experience strength and help with you. And and back in the day she was pretty hardcore. She was like the equivalent of like OAPG, like AA has the Pacific group. You know, like you go to meetings, you go early, you leave late, you thank the speaker, you raise your hand, you share, you show up for service. And that was exactly what I needed. I went to three meetings a week, had two service commitments. Called her twice a day. I called her at 8.45 a.m. when I was taking my my oldest to school. And I called her again at 3.45 p.m. when I ran carpool for many, many, many years. And we went to meetings together. We She did the steps with me. And she just showed me how to live an abstinent life. I also learned from her how to eat. Because when we would go to meals, I would watch her. And I'd be like, okay, do us a meal that's pretty cool, you know, or I would call and ask her, I'd be like, Heidi, what do you eat for breakfast? (laughs) I just, I, unless I was like binging at IHOP, I had no idea like what breakfast actually was, right? Unless someone on some sort of sheet handed me a piece of paper and said, eat this. So I started to get the promises. I worked with her for nine years. Um, my, many of you have heard me share this story, but my addiction to food was so bad that my husband thought I was cheating on him. And he sat me down one day and he was like, "Listen, like, if there's another man and you're cheating on me and, and you got to go, like, go, like, it's fine. You don't need to be in this marriage. If you feel you'll be happier, we'll figure it out. And there was no other man, but the obsession with food and powerlessness and moments of power and will I fit and will I not? and Am I the prettiest one in the room? Am I the thinnest one in the room? When will I be the thinnest one in the room? took me out of my marriage. It took me out of being a parent. took me out of being a good friend because who can be obsessed, who can be friends with someone who is that obsessed with themselves? It's exhausting. And who can be friends with someone who's always like, do I look fat? Do I look thin? do I look thinner than last time? Cause I just started this plan and I've lost 7.2 pounds. Can you tell, can you tell, do you think last year at this time I was the same weight or was I thinner in your opinion? What do you think? That's exhausting. Like people have enough to worry about without my narcissistic self-obsession about my body. And so it was, you know, it was not a, a good place to be. So by the time Heidi started sponsoring me, Literally, my um, my sponsor now is a, is a dog lover and rescuer. And she said, too, like your tail started wagging again. You were like a rescue, you know, who came in looking down with her tail down. And by the time I was in the program for six months, like my tail started wagging again. I got the light back in my eyes. I, you know, did a thorough inventory. I figured out my character defects. And I started living a 12-step life. So, by the time my third kid was born, I call her my abstinent baby. And she's just like free spirit, free spirit, free spirit. Um, so, what has 23 plus years in program looked like? My abstinence date is five twelve ninety nine. If you figure out the math, that's like I think two weeks after Passover in 1999 when I, when I stopped binging. And it's also Mother's Day, which is, it was Mother's Day, which was a very important date for me because I lost my mom to this disease. Uh, She died when she was 38. She had a massive heart attack as a result of electrolyte electrolyte imbalance and um, electrical problems in her heart from starving. So she was on a high protein, low calorie diet and um, doing like B6 injections And her heart gave up and I came home to find her on the floor dead. So I don't have far to look to know where this disease can take me because she too was losing weight for our emigration to the States. I grew up in the UK and and for her too, if I just lost that weight before we emigrate, everything would be perfect. And that day never came because we buried her shortly before we emigrated. So I I just, I don't have far to look. It's an ugly disease, it's a lonely disease, it's a dark, dark disease. And, you know, currently I've been with my sponsor. So Heidi moved, Heidi moved to um, Ohio and selfishly got married and started a family and didn't think about my needs here in LA. (laughs) And I, I really needed a sponsor who was here in Los Angeles. So I got a new sponsor that afternoon. Same afternoon that I stopped working with Heidi, I got a sponsor because the thought of of not having a sponsor was terrifying to me. And so I've been with my current sponsor now for 14 years. And she is uh, very similar. She's actually double winner. And I call her every day. I send in my food. We just did a thorough fourth step. Um, You guys, I cannot believe I had so much fourth step crap accumulated. I thought I was doing a really good job at a 10th step, but apparently a very large inventory was in order. And guess what? A lot of those character defects have been reignited. They've just been reignited. And my experience with character defects is that some of them do go away, but many of them kind of lurk under the surface. And if I'm not on the spiritual beam, if I'm not working my program, if I'm not like one with God, they will like rear their ugly heads. And they are ugly because people pleasing, gossip, envy, always needing to be the favorite, wanting to stand out, whatever, whatever my long list of character defects is, comes from a place of The world owes me, or you owe me, this tremendous sense of victimhood. Like, don't you know my mom dropped dead when I was 13 and I had to move to LA? And do you know how hard that was? And do you know the shit that happened in my house? And do you know what had to happen to me because blah, blah, blah? And so all of those character defects are a response to that victim mentality. Because these horrible things happened, I get to gossip about you because these horrible things happened, I get to be narcissistic and look out only for myself. And it's extremely painful. And I, you know, I've had a lot of therapy. Self-knowledge availed me a tremendous amount of self-knowledge. That's what it availed me. I have so much self-knowledge. I have like like boxes of self-knowledge and it does nothing, nothing for my addiction to food. I know that sounds weird, but knowing what my triggers are and why certain psychological neural pathways have been created does not help me not stop for a slice of carrot cake on the way home. It doesn't. I wish it did, but it doesn't. So it came to me very clearly like the light bulb moment. I was cleaning out the dishwasher a couple nights ago. And um, I was like, holy God, the only thing that will arrest this illness is a spiritual solution. That's the only thing. It's a relationship with God that centers around a tremendous amount of acceptance. Did those things happen? Absolutely. Do I get to act out to others and to myself because they happened? Absolutely not. And the acceptance of, in my world, my relationship with God is as a creator, And someone who put me on this earth with a tremendous amount of A, work to do, (laughs) and B, light. And I can choose to shine bright, or I can choose to be angry and eating and self-hating and wishing the world to be different. And as an addict, I am fear-based. And... Fear of losing what I have or not getting what I want. And if I stay in that fear, I will act out. But if I start the day with my morning ritual, which is the bedrock of having a good day, which is read a little bit, write a little bit, do a gratitude list, not the best meditator but I do do something that my friend Sherry taught me, which is happy contemplation. So I will sit outside and I will look around at the trees and the plants and the flowers and the birds and think about how they were probably there way before I was. And they'll probably be there way after I'm gone. And there is a a divine order to the universe that is much bigger than me. And if I am tapped in to that source, on a daily basis, the day will run better, no matter what the day looks like. I can slip out of that. The world owes me a living. I deserve to eat whatever I want to eat. Um, I deserve to eat like a sixteen year old athletic boy when I'm actually a you know a forty eight year old Jewish grandmother um, you have five minutes. And, and, Thank you. And it's just, it's not the case, you know, and I I have to tell you that the road gets narrower. So when I first came in and they told me three meals a day and a snack, I was like, okay, great. I picked an abstinence. I had a food plan. Y'all need to stop. Um, And the weight just came off. Like it just came off with whatever meal I was eating. I was also 25 years old, right? So fast forward 23 years, it's not as easy for the weight to stay off, and it's very easy for the weight to come on. And I have to make shifts. You know, I was giggling at myself because I can turn a cup of morning coffee into chocolate, into coffee ice cream like this. I have no business putting heavy cream in my coffee. Absolutely not. Nope, it does not belong in my coffee. And yet there's like, but it's a cup of coffee. It's breakfast. Come on, it's just cream, you know? Well, add a cream and add a little this and add a little vanilla and you have coffee ice cream is what you have in your mouth. And that does not facilitate weight loss. It just doesn't. Um, And so it's really been about starting to look at foods again and starting to be like, well, let's, you know, not do that. And, you know, and I'm Iranian. We eat rice in vats. We don't put like rice in a plate. We will serve you a vat of rice with half a vat of stew and be like, here, go at it, you know um and it's just not conducive to a healthy body weight so i've had to make some changes eating less has made me more angry which has taken me back to step 6 which has brought me back way closer to my sponsor um because less food equals more why aren't i getting what i deserve in this world which is you know half a cup of coffee with half a cup of cream you know um so that is, that's the God's honest truth of, of what's going on here. It's, it's daily work. I have three sponsees. I go to three meetings. I have one or two service commitments. I meet monthly with all of the sponsees in my um, sponsee circle with my sponsor. I am knee deep in um, an inventory with one sponsor, just finished step five with another, and I just took on a newcomer to sponsor. Um, And it's been delightful because they are so much not as boring as I am. Like I'm boring, really boring. Like the the narcissistic self-obsession. And I never thought of ego as being one of my character defects. I was like, I am not an egotistical person. When we did this last fourth step, my sponsor was like, what is a lot of ego going on? And I was like, no. Then I went back and looked at my last column Ego, pride, ego, pride, fear, ego, p- pride, fear, people pleasing, ego, pride, fear, gossip, envy, ego, ego, ego. <laughs> like, what is going on here? So, a day at a time, I'm working on um, one character defect per week and asking God to remove it and, and doing my seven step prayer, which is so powerful. And you know, I, I run a 12 a step household. My my husband reminds me when I need a meeting. He's like, "There's a morning meeting. Do you want to go?" Um, my children remind me of you know character defects, and and we just speak we speak the twelve step language here at my house, uh, which is good and is bad. Um, some of my dearest friends who are actually on this on this speak are on this meeting today. Um, hi, you know who you are. I'm not going to embarrass you, but. People who I can call, and we haven't seen each other for 10, 12, 14 years. And when we get on the phone, we start back off as if it was 1999 on a Thursday at 630 at Harvard. And we just pick up where we left off. And those people, especially one person who's here right now, um, is just there for me. She understands it. She understands the program she understands the disease she understands the depression she understands the darkness she understands the light she understands recovery and i have to say very little because this posse of people are my people they have me you know yesterday i was sitting outside a meeting with with uh, you know with someone at this meeting and we just talked as if we'd known each other for 45 years it was just like the connection is so deep this meeting, at these meetings, because we're not professionals. You're not paying me today to be here. My sponsor doesn't get money for listening to me, listening, you know, do my fourth step or rant about whatever's going on with me. And it's that soul to soul collection connection that reminds me that I'm not alone in this disease. I'm not alone. And, and I I am at risk for not showing up up for life. And, and, you know, I seem extroverted, but I'm actually an introvert. And I don't, I don't love people. I mean, I love people, but I I really need a lot of just time to myself. And learning how to, thank you, to replenish myself without a fork and a plate has really been an endeavor um, in this program. So I'm grateful for the tools. I love all of you. I'm so grateful to be here. Thanks again, Lillian.